Hello and welcome to Teaching Python. This is episode 91 and it's all about the brand new beta Python editor for the microbit. My name's Sean Tiber. I'm a coder who teaches. And my name's Kelly Schuster Paredes, and I'm a teacher who codes. <laughs> and Kelly, I'm super excited this week. We have Giles Booth here from the Microbit Foundation to talk to us about the brand new Python editor in beta for the Microbit. Welcome, Giles. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Kelly. It's lovely to be here. And you're coming all the way from London? I am in London in the UK, where it is currently true to form pouring with rain. Uh, but that's <laughs> unusual. It hasn't rained here for weeks, so it's quite nice to see, really. <laughs> well, we're definitely getting more, more and more rain as we get into the summer here in sunny South Florida. So we'll see if we can trade you for a little bit of sunshine and hopefully make your spring a little bit nicer. Thank you. Yeah, the last person we had on our show from London was ecstatic because it was sunny when when we were on the call. So that was his win of the week. So sad to hear that it's raining again. But a perfect day for podcasting. So we'll, we'll go indeed. So let's start with the same place we always do with the wins of the week. And we like to make our guest go first because it's kind of fun Ooh. to watch them squirm. So Giles, it's over to you. <laughs> okay. Well, I did, did uh, have something up my sleeve. So I've got, got a win of the week. It's Python related. So we had a call with somebody who we might be doing some work with in the future. And completely, we kind of got that slightly the wrong end of the stick about what they really were after, but it was interesting. And because it was a really fluid conversation, we had, I came up with an idea for a project that I think could be amazing, even if it doesn't get used for the thing that we were talking about. I've come up with using a, a little documented, a little known feature of the micro bit to do something really cool with group activities. I'm not going to say any more than that at the moment, but watch this space you'll you'll probably you may see an exciting new project on the microbit website soon excellent well hopefully it's with bluetooth uh you know uh, sean's got a couple little sleeves up and we did a really great uh, genetic activity oh, with well, microbit well yeah it's not not bluetooth <laughs> per se but it is using the radio feature of the microbit so yes you're very warm <laughs> <laughs> well we are excited to see that because we like that feature a lot mm. yeah anything group activity with the microbit is where the fun really starts to happen yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I'm super excited about this. So I'm I've been looking on on the alpha and then the beta microbit, but I'm not gonna steal Sean's thunder. I'm gonna let him do his win of the week before we get just excited to talk about the platform. Sorry. <laughs> Go, Sean, your win of the week. Well I think, I, I my, think my my mine is white now, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the win that we have to share is surviving and thriving <laughs> during the early late part of April and early part of May. Kelly and I gave I believe five different talks in seven days across wow. two different conferences in and six days, two, six days and two different time zones. <laughs> oh <my> so, <laughs> so we, we went through a whole uh, set of talks, including a keynote for a innovation Institute at our school, where we spoke about what it takes to take your teaching from good to great. I'm not sure why they asked us, but we went with it anyways, <laughs> and we got quite a bit done with that um, and very well received, lots of good feedback and good questions from it. We did some hands-on work with LEDs and knitting with LEDs and making them light up and connecting them to some circuit Python boards, which was a lot of fun. And then we moved and shifted all the way to PyCon US in Salt Lake City at the end of the week where we hosted the Education Summit, spoke at the Education Summit, and then gave a main track talk on learning Python like a 12-year-old. So I think by the end of it, I don't know about Kelly, but I went home and I slept. I was so wiped out from that week. But 
we met so many amazing people at PyCon. We did a, an entire episode about it that people can go check out. But that was definitely the win, not just of the week, but I think of the last few months. It's funny because I, you know, I got really energized. So <laughs> I was See? like, it's done. It's off our plate. <laughs> Sometimes think. No, it was great fun. Uh, it was a whirlwind, but I don't know, that added stress always seems to motivate you. And it's amazing how much stuff you can get done when you have a lot on your plate. So keep them busy and keep doing the things. So that was a good one. Yeah, now I just feel lazy and unproductive because I only did a few things in the week sense, right? <laughs> oh, you set funny, the bar quite, bar quite high there, haven't you, for a productive yeah. week? Productive yep. week. Mm. Well, let me think. My wins right now have to be what I'm doing with my sixth and seventh graders, they're both using hardware. Well, actually, everything I'm doing with the end of the quarter has been kind of fun, but I'm using hardware with sixth and seventh graders. And I decided to go ungraded the last three weeks. And we've been doing still extrinsic. We're doing sticker challenges is what I'm calling it. And the top first first group that wins the challenge gets a sticker because I got a lot of stickers from PyCon and a lot of stuff that really cool stickers. I don't remember who the sharks are from, but we got some baby sharks, <laughs> which are a hit. It's just going really well. Today with the circuit playground, I said to them, I'm like, okay, I'm making this up. Take the shake feature and light up one pixel at a time. Make sure you do it with the counter so that every pixel lights up every time you shake it. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's out there somewhere with a, a counter of some sort, but I was like, just making them up at the spur of the moment, trying to use all the features of the, the circuit playground. And the kids really take to it. And we we talk about problem solving and what are the things you need to know. And we go through when we label, okay, you need to know how to use the accelerometer. All right. You need to know how to use a counter. You need to, if you're using a counter, you need to know um, how to go into the loop. And then we, you know, we talk about errors and what's going to happen when the counter gets to a certain number. And if there's, you know, the counter gets to 10, it's going to, it's going to have a, an error because you only have 10 pixels. So the last counted number is a nine. And it's just a great process of teaching them how to think through these challenges. And I give out those hints sporadically throughout the uh, 60 minutes and they all get it. And then they all teach everybody and it's just a lot of fun. So it's been nice not having to grade 180 <laughs> assignments every day, but uh, they've been learning a lot. So, and you've been mm -hmm. working with the sixth graders with the micro bit at the same yeah, the time. Yeah, right? sixth graders are doing the micro bit as well, and their challenge today was the easy one, and it was light up an LED with some alligator clips, mm -hmm. and 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 alter the alter the time and alter the code where it's just like blink on, blink off. Now you're going to add in a button and a feature that that didn't quite take sixty minutes. That took them about fifteen. So. So um, I think I taught them too well. Usually I do that one first and it confuses them. And yeah, so we've been having fun with that. Mm -hmm. and good fun. Nice. And I think so it, yeah. any fails this week, Kelly? Well, there's always fails with my eighth graders. So eighth graders, we were doing a couple of read-write open with activities. I thought it would be really cool and, you know, show them how to make a document on their computer. And I was trying to find things that engage them because they're really hard to keep engaged right now because they're on the high school track ready to get out mm -hmm. of middle school. And they're like, yay, it makes a text. What am I going to do with that? You know, a text file. And I'm like, really? Really? That's all I get? There's a text file on your computer. And they're like, and I use Google Drive. And I'm like, well, you could do it with Google Drive too. They're like, why didn't you do that? And I'm like, because it takes more. 
<laughs> takes more authentication and stuff. And I didn't know if it was going to work with you guys or if we were going to get blocked. And I'm just like, okay, back to, we'll do Matplotlib now. <laughs> so now we're graphing, which is a hit or miss with some kids. But, you know, we did some plank challenges and trying to get some fun data. So we'll see. Giles, any any fails from your side? Uh, Yeah, it was one relating to what I said before, this secret, hidden, uh, undocumented feature of the micro bit uh, exists in a make code block. And then it turns out it hasn't actually been exposed in the Python, micro Python API for the micro bit. So that was, I was puzzled by that. It's like, what am I going to do? This is a really cool feature. Uh, And I just posted a thing in our foundation chat. And of course, my tech colleagues love a challenge like that, especially when it's not directly related to what they're supposed to be working on. So within about five minutes, one of my colleagues had coded a beautifully elegant solution in Python that I just deployed as a function, as a in my code. So I've got that added functionality, that block feature that is in MetCode, but isn't in MicroPython. Now it is. So that was lovely. That was a good no, idea. I, I can't wait to release that. So, <laughs> so intrigued. Secret. Well, my fail this week was uh, a, a gardening fail. It was... <laughs> We have a, a sidewalk in front of our house and and there was an issue with it where there was a gap that was people stumbled over. And so the town came by to fix it and repair it. And they did a beautiful job like cutting out the affected section of sidewalk and creating this graduated ramp so that it's now a smooth transition from one level to the other. And as they did that, they broke the sprinkler head that waters my avocado tree next to it. So I went out there to give my avocado tree a little bit of extra fertilizer because it's struggling with some of the heat and not getting enough water. So I'm giving it some extra fertilizer to give it a boost and give it some water. And I go turn on the sprinkler to make sure it's, you know, it's watering in. And all I get is this giant puddle rising out of the ground with water going everywhere. So I had to go to the hardware store and get the right connector and fit it all in and everything. And it's, it's back to normal now, but definitely explained why the avocado tree was not getting enough water and now that's fixed but it was a a bit of a fail you always have to try to trump me with some sort of hardware thing don't you (laughs) it's just plumbing nothing nothing electronic about it well let's get on to the topic hey because i'm really excited to hear all about the process and share share this great work that you guys been doing y'all been doing over there yeah so i think why don't we start just a little bit with what is the microbit first for anybody who may not have it? And then if yep. you could share a little bit about the Python microbit editor and why this is a cool new thing that people should be checking out. Sure, absolutely. So for those of you who might not be aware of it, the microbit or the BBC microbit, to give it its full title, is it's a tiny computer. It came about in around 2015 as a design really from the ground up as a tool for teaching coding in schools initially aimed at students aged around 11 to 14 that kind of age group and the BBC in partnership with lots of other organizations created this device and in the UK one million of these devices were given out to pretty much every student in what in in England we call it year seven so I think that equates to grade six in the US so pretty much every student in grade six in in the UK got one of these devices in their school so it had a massive impact. And since then, it has gone worldwide. So the BBC spun off the Microbit. We are the Microbit Educational Foundation. So we are, we're a small but global nonprofit. And we work with founding partners like the BBC and Microsoft and ARM 
and Lancaster University here in the UK, who are doing a lot of the technical work that the stuff under the hood that kind of makes the, the micro bit tick underneath that they, they write a lot of that code for us. And we have taken it worldwide. So there are now something like, we think, 6 million microbits all around the world, uh, helping millions and millions of young people learn about coding, both through MakeCode, Microsoft MakeCode Blocks, but also through Python as well, all around the world. Yeah, I think about 200,000 of those microbits are floating around our classroom, <laughs> in, like either under tables or in boxes and bins oh. or in student backpacks. We have... Kelly, when did we first start use, using the microbits? I think it was probably, what, around 2018? Right when, when you we... came in. I mean, yeah. because you did the, it was slight, I think it was one year before that you came in. We restarted and we ordered them. And then Sean did his um, his first, what was My it? demo Interview. lesson. Demo yeah. lesson but, using yeah. the microbit. We love it. I mean, it's been it's been a core part of our curriculum for the past four years, so well, that's great to hear. And it's it's differentiated. People often say, well, for example, they compare it with a Raspberry Pi, and it's not the same as a Raspberry Pi. So no. a Raspberry Pi is a computer. Yeah. It's it's a fully-fledged computer, and you can use your Raspberry Pi or your other computer to program the microbit. The microbit, although we call it a computer, we don't call it a microcontroller because it's got features that you would get on a computer. It's got inputs and outputs. They're very simple, like it has buttons. It has a 25 LED display on it. It's got sensors built in it has an accelerometer it can measure temperature the new micro bit that we brought out in 2020 has got a built-in speaker and a microphone as well so it can measure sound levels it's got a magnetometer a compass it can do all that kind of stuff so it has it's a complete package in itself it can do an awful lot on its own without having to add other peripherals to it so that's why we call it a computer rather than a say a microcontroller or a development board it can do a lot on its own but it's the physicality of the device that is a key it's a physics for teaching computing through physical computing and that idea that you can create something students can create something really quickly a project whether it's a step counter or a compass or something simple that they can create the code they can flash their code onto the micro bit but then the magic happens when they unplug it from the computer plug a battery pack in and you've created that self-contained digital kind of artifact that you've Coded, you've created it and it has a life of its own beyond the computer yeah and the idea is that everything is simple sometimes people say why does it have such a crummy display why is it only 25 pixels why is it not color it's because everything is designed to be as simple as possible it's the simplest abstraction and you can do so much learning there's so much to unpack about say well the, the topic of abstraction itself it's like we want to show emotions on our micro bit so what's the simplest form of a of a happy face or a sad face or excitement so it's brilliant for breaking everything down to the really simple levels about understanding how input devices work, whether it's just a button or a sensor, and then learning about how code and the hardware work together. If you flip the micro bit over and look at the back, all the it's an exposed circuit board and we have labeled the key components. So that's a learning point in itself. You can just get your students to flip the micro bit over and look at the labels and look at what all the different parts do and think about what role does the processor take. You know, that's that's where your code is, your instructions are being carried out on the other parts of the board and looking at those functions and understand about how computer hardware and a complete system works both in hardware and software. Yeah, it's really amazing the 
variety of projects that students have been able to pull off with <laughs> such a simple board. And especially when we start talking about accessories, there's a whole range of accessories that take it even further. But to your point, I think there's something really empowering about a simple design mm -hmm. that breeds creativity for whatever reason. I don't, I've always thought that constraints breed creativity, yes. but the micro bit is one of those prime examples of that. We've seen everything from the step counters and things that you talked about to we've had students make, I think my first year, I had a group of students who made a treasure hunt for me using the, the magnetometer feature on it, where I had to track across campus with all these clues that they had written to surround it. And I was, and the closer I got to the other micro bit, the more that they would beep together. Uh, so it became like a game of hot and cold. It was, yeah. it was brilliant. And it was because they found all these little features and mm -hmm. characteristics that they could use to make it all work together. Well, exactly. Yeah. And it's always the students, as I'm sure you've, you've experienced as well, the students who come up with the best ideas. So having that, giving them the, the tools, like a toolkit of stuff and then finding out what they can do with it and being creative. And that's part of our, our kind of our mission as an organization to, uh, to unleash young people's digital creativity, but expand their kind of horizons and give them what we call a better digital future, that they understand <laughs> how this technology works. And because the micro bit is simple enough, they can, they can sort of key in and understand how some features work. Things on their phone, like the fact that when you turn your phone, the, the image on your phone rotates when you move it. But how does that work? We've got a project in one of our new professional development courses that we've just launched where we look at that, we unpack that and we get students to actually make a, make their micro bit keep like a smiley face the right way up mm. every time you rotate it. But very, very simple, but it is relevant to the technology that you find around you. Oh, that's a good challenge. I think I should add that one. I like that because we did the face up, face down, and we were playing. That was one of the challenges. And I purposely made them do the face down. So they're, I'm like, you have to make sure the image, and they're crawling underneath it trying to look. Oh, that's good. I found a, a Tetris game and a snake game one time, and I always hide that from them. But at the end of the unit, I always give them the code, and they, you know, because they, they're like, can I have a battery pack? And I'm like, please don't get that taken away during class. <laughs> they're trying to play Tetris by on a five by five grid. It's fabulous. Mm. So I think what we should probably do is talk a little bit about the programming languages that go into this because, yes. you know, the hardware itself is, is incredibly well designed and elegant and pretty durable. I mean, I think we put our, <laughs> we put our micro bits <laughs> through a torture chamber uh, every year with all the students that get their hands on them. And, We've lost and work a lot of buttons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> But, you know, it's interesting when I first started teaching with the micro bit to sixth graders, those year seven students, I started with make code and I thought, mm. oh, this will be the easiest way for them to get started with it. And it's interesting because you can use a variety of different programming languages with the micro bit and it's relatively easy to switch between them. But I thought what was really interesting and kind of differentiating about the micro bit, especially when it comes to Python, is that it has a really nice implementation of the micro Python uh, interpreter on it the, the, that runs on the board and a variety of libraries that you can use, but it's entirely self-contained yes. so that you can start with MicroPython, you can import things, the API documentation is really well made. And so we've t traditionally used the Mu editor mm. to 
do most of our coding. And one of the things that you've been working very hard on, Giles, lately has been this new web-based Python microbit editor that incorporates a lot of the features and even further reduces that startup time to get going with the microbit in Python. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came to be? Sure. So we've had a, a web-based editor for the microbit for some time. So if you just go to python.microbit.org, you'll see our regular web-based Python editor, which works in, in a similar way to Mu. It's using the same MicroPython language to program the microbit. What we, what we decided to do was to take a slightly different approach in developing our new editor. We want to increase the appeal of text-based coding, and we want to reach students who perhaps might find it difficult or unappealing or not be engaged with it and find it sort of too hard or too techy. So we made some very significant design choices. If you look at our new code editor, it's not a black screen, it's white. It has very bright colors. It's using purples and bright colors just to make it appealing. It's, it's, this is not a, like a gender-based thing. It's just a general thing. It's just a general observation from, from my own teaching. I, I dislike sort of gender-based stereotypes about people because there, anyone comes up with a gender-based stereotype, I think, well, that can apply to all kinds of people. So, But it's just a general point to make it more appealing. The other big difference that we have in this editor is that we've got sidebar that contains what we call the reference section. So you've got browsable snippets of code that are grouped a bit like the way you would browse blocked in Scratch or in MakeCode. So you've got discoverability there so that rather than just being faced with a blank screen editor, that, that horrible white screen or white sheet of paper when you're starting to type and you don't know what to type, um, we've, we've got various features in there that are going to help you. So we've got working code snippets that you can browse. And if you want to make something appear on the display, you've got working code snippets that you can just drag and drop into your code and try them out straight away. We've also balanced that with not just looking at device features, because a lot of the documentation around doing Python on physical devices, especially like the micro bit, is centered around how do you make the features of the device work in Python? We've got that because obviously you want to do that and the physicality of the device is what makes it great and what makes it engaging. But we've also included some stuff that are more traditional sort of Python things. So we've got sections just on things like loops and logic and things like lists and arrays. We have quite a lot as well about data types and string handling, which is not an area that we would normally have touched. But because we, we think that this gives the opportunity to broaden out what you can do with Python on the micro bit. So as well as doing all the traditional kinds of projects that you might do, like your treasure hunt game uh, or a step counter or all those kinds of things as well, you can do more kind of traditional Python teaching and learning with this as well. And because we built in a serial console. So this already exists in the existing online editor. There is a serial console there, but it replaces your code. What we've done is put it in a little window in the bottom right-hand corner. So you still see your code. You can still browse the reference section, like the documentation, but you can mess around with your code. You can tinker with it and get instant feedback in in the serial console. So you can use things like print instructions. So if you just want to hack something together really quickly, you can not even use the display on the micro bit. You can just print it to the console and use that as part of your development or debugging process. Uh, maybe to get inputs from sensors, like I want to know what is that sensor reading going to be when I do this and get that data and view it on your screen on your computer. Uh, and then use that thinking, oh, well, okay, it's, go it's going to around 50 when I do that. That's my tipping point. 
I'm going to use that number in my code. Uh, and you've got that ability. But you can also use the keyboard on your computer as an input, for example. So you can do something like a, a <clears throat> I don't know whether you've, what your experiences of like the first initial kind of Python projects that people traditionally teach are, but one common one, at least in the UK, is to code something like a chatbot. Mm -hmm. So uh, not a project you would normally attempt on a microbit, but if you have your microbit plugged in, connected by USB cable to the new editor, you could code a chatbot and you could do that on your microbit. And it's like the microbit is kind of like your Python runtime. And there's nothing to install on your computer. There's no software. There are no libraries. You don't have to worry about getting your, your computer support people or technicians to unblock things or install new things. Sometimes people can be a bit worried about installing <laughs> Python, especially because you can do things like write text files to the hard drive. You know, that's, that's quite scary. <laughs> crazy, crazy <Your> things. <laughs> students might not be impressed by that, but people who are looking after IT security might have nightmares when you discover that you can do things like that in Python. So gives you a very sort of stable basis for doing a, a Python runtime. And in addition to that, so we've got this kind of browsable content that lets you sort of discover things for yourself. You can use that almost like, like a handbook, like a, like a textbook. You can teach yourself. And we're aiming this both, it's both aimed at students and teachers as well, because Absolutely. we're aware that yeah. a lot, certainly in the UK, a lot of people who are teaching computing, especially in this this age group, the sort of that age group of ages start 11 to 14 years, a lot of non-specialist teachers get roped into teaching computing. That's me. That's what I was thinking about. <laughs> like four years ago when I first started Python, I remember we were doing the microbit and we used the microbit a lot longer than I do now because now I'm a little bit more efficient with my time and I can cycle through the units a little bit better. But it was hard. There was a couple of things. One, I mean, I was just learning Mu, but I don't even think I had Mu yet. I think we used the python.microbit website. And the thing is, the one thing, the old version, you didn't have that um, start typing and your code pops up. You know how Mu oh, has that? Yes. And absolutely. I was. And I was just like, I don't remember this. I have to go to the documentation. I'm trying to remember the and and so I like that. And I like mm -hmm. the idea of now you're you're folding in with this new beta version. Um, you're folding in these concepts because exactly. I I like to loop through. I do Python basics, you know, kind of yep. thing, and I like to loop them into the microbit. I mean, that's what you're trying to teach. You're teaching Python. You're not teaching. Here's a microbit and only MicroPython. So it's a, it was exactly nice. that's so that that's partly what prompted us to create the reference section in the new editor the way we did. So it's not just looking at the device; it's including familiar Python concepts. I'd love to hear if any of your listeners have got ideas about what's missing. There are some things we left out deliberately, and I'd love to know what people think are missing. We were trying to balance it to balance. We didn't want to make it too too much content, too complicated. Mm -hmm. But the more I think about it, like for example, there's nothing in there about dictionaries. And yes. I created a project yesterday where I just thought, oh, this works so well with a dictionary. This is this is so elegant that I can do this <laughs> thing. And that's a real selling point for Python. Look how look how few lines of I love things like that. Look how few lines of code it takes to do that. It's beautifully, very Pythonic, very, you know, very very good compact code. So there's things like that's an example of something that perhaps we you will might add. You might convince me to teach dictionaries in sixth grade because I don't ever implement them until seventh grade. Well, I'll, I'll, 
<laughs> I, this relates to my secret project. So I'll send you I'll send you the code for it and see what you Excellent. think. I've got a good use, good use for dictionaries. But the autocomplete function is the other thing that that you mentioned that so we've got on the sidebar we've got that reference content that you can look up and browse and search it's got a search box as well but we're trying to help you in the code editor as well so we've got a few features in there that hopefully will help very much students not just beginner students but even experienced students um you know how difficult it can be to remember some of the more complex syntax around structures of things that you, you know what you need to do but you can't quite remember the the precise sequence of letters or whether does it have a capital whatever all that kind of stuff so we've implemented a, an autocomplete so when you start typing in the new editor it will give you options and you can press the enter key and pick and scroll up and down and pick one of the options which is lovely just for python in itself but also great for things when you've got things like the built-in images in python that the micro bit can display the the hearts and the ducks and all those images that they then turn up in a list once you start typing you know, display, show, image, dot, and then you get a list of all the images that you can pick and you can scroll up and down that list and you can see this. There's another way you've got discoverability. Yeah. Uh, we have got some very subtle, but I think hopefully quite effective highlighting of the code. So I know from my own experience of teaching Python with and without the micro bit, students often struggle with indentations. It's a, it's an odd concept and students coming from other programming languages certainly will find that a weird, a weird concept. There are no, there are no curly brackets. It's all just, <laughs> just spaces. It's crazy. Um, so trying to help students with that. So we've got two things that we've done. We've put subtle background color highlighting and the more sort of indented or nested your, your code gets like, the color shifts slightly and gets slightly darker. So you can see which lines of code sort of belong together, almost like creating a block in effect, but just with very subtle color. And the other thing we've done is put lines in. So you've got a line that shows the outline of your indentation. So it's very easy to see if you've got a little bit of code that's not quite lined up, but that's, that's very, very visible. The thing that I really like about this is, and you don't necessarily see this if you're using a professional ID like PyCharm or VS Code or something like that. What's really important here is that it, the interface is designed taking into account the feedback from educators and from students. It's very clear that the editor experience is designed for that beginner student, the person who's maybe writing their first few lines of code, because you're you're right, the things that I would say are the top three or four things that students always struggle with are indentation, typos, mm -hmm. missing punctuation like dots or semicolons, yes. being able to see all these things and have, you know, effective hints, clues, signals to the learner that, hey, maybe this thing isn't working the way you want it to. So, yep. you know, if you're a teacher who's listening to this and you're like, what are you talking about? Like, go, you can go look at this, go look at python.microbit.org. It'll prompt you for the beta uh, release if you click on that and start poking around it because it's mm. really surprisingly effective. And it's something that, that, you know, maybe some of these other IDEs should be taking into account as well. The ability to turn on those indentation guides. Yes. Oh, that's, that's fantastic to hear. And you can give us feedback as well in the editor. So we're still developing it. Even today, we're doing work right now on the error messages that pop up because we're trying to catch as many errors as you can before you flash your code onto the micro bit. If you put code on your micro bit with errors in, you will get an error message scrolling across the screen. 
but it's quite hard to read <laughs> and it's quite cryptic. What do you mean? I like sitting there and watching name well, air. <laughs> you can use in the new in the new beta editor, you can use the serial console for that as well. So if you mm -hmm. open up the serial console, you can at least read your error message yeah. on the screen. It's so much fun sitting there and go, guys, look, I've been having a lot of fun playing with this. The one thing that I, I get on the kids is the insert code. I like them to type it still. They so I really, That's I really like them to type. I like them to type it versus just drag and drop because I feel like sometimes when they do the drag and drop, they they don't really read the code that's coming out. So as just as a as a teacher mm. tidbit, I always try to change my challenges so they're not the same as yes. the ones that are in available. I mean, and that's just me. Like I'll mix a function with an accelerator. I, I mix it up. Yeah. Because once they get to the habit of dragging and drop, and we had this conversation a long time with EduBlocks. Oh, with Josh. Oh, with, with Josh. Josh. So yeah. we had this conversation. Well, Josh was like, well, we're lazy. We don't want to type. And I'm like, I understand uh, that. <laughs> but we don't want to learn vocabulary words in you well, know, the elementary school. <laughs> it's a really good point. And when we were first originally sort of developing this and having our first ideas, we thought about, well, we didn't want to go down a completely blocks approach because yeah. we have edgy blocks already. Josh is amazing and edgy blocks mm -hmm. is fantastic. So there's no point in recreating that. We did think about something called like ice blocks that you mm -hmm. would drag in and they would melt. No, oh, or something <laughs> or something like that but we we decided that no basically this is a text-based experience yep. and it is at the end of the day i'm afraid it is words on a <laughs> in a text editor and there is typing involved yeah but right, i do but I, I, I love it i do like the insert code i just always tell the kids why don't you type it you know yeah. it's there you can do it in a hurry but oh, hey you know give a type give a type yeah. feature it's just an interesting and I also think, though, that one of the things that's nice about it is as you click through the reference materials, we're only talking about a few lines of code. Yeah. We're not talking yeah. about a giant full program or anything yes. like that. So it's digestible. So even if they are inserting the code, they still have the opportunity to learn a little bit about what it's doing or try to understand it. And so there's definitely some teacher support that's needed there, too, to either say, no, you have to type it out or yeah. to say, why don't you think about what it's doing ask yourself be curious yeah so it's a it's a balancing act and we, one of my bugbears about api documentation in general is you'd have something very cryptic that would say give you a list of all the parameters but not give you a working example it's like i don't understand like all these things like uh, this equals that and it's like just show me an example that just just does something and i'll tinker with it and i'll figure it out for myself but balancing that with not providing something that is too long so all of our code examples we've worked quite hard to try and make sure that they're the minimum we can do that does something that's useful that's also practical and it's realistic something that you might actually want to do on a micro bit and it has some relevance so it's not just counting from one to ten there's some you know there is some purpose to oh, it um, I, lo I love the api feature to be honest like that that to me was a hit because you know we start i start introducing all api kind of talk just api talk not even anything else but documentation is always yes. introduced in sixth grade apis are kind of like eighth grade but the yeah. idea of these documentations being snippets and um you know, here, you know, you say get why. Well, that's clear to a developer. But yeah. when a kid says get why, what do you mean? Oh, yeah. I have to add accelerometer dot get why. And that's yes. kind of like my method for doing things. And I, I like that feature a lot. And I, I like how you can point to it and just get a lot of the information.
information. Mm. Yeah, so, so, so all the API documentation is there as well. And that search, if you do a search in the in the reference section, it will give you results from both the reference section, which is a little bit more like a textbook, has a little bit more description around it, and the code samples are a, a little bit fuller. We have also, it will search the API documentation. And we've just improved that lately as well. So you will see now examples in the API doc, which weren't there before. Okay. So you will actually have that one line of code that lets you see the context, that, that bit that's missing. And also when you're typing as well as the autocomplete, you have a thing we call signature help. There's a little box pops up that will tell you what all the parameters are and what all the things you can do, but also have a little line of code that will show you a working example, a realistic example, and also a link to, to the help documentation. So you can click on that and it will take you to the relevant entry in the API documentation so you can find out more feature. I forgot all about speech um, as I'm clicking oh, through this. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, it's on the API. I'm like, oh, that's my next challenge. <laughs> oh yeah, yes. But I think a lot of people don't even know that's there. I, I think... did, but we had issues with it <laughs> when I first tried it and I think it's been improved upon. Well, especially since I think when we first started using it, it was still when we had to hook up speakers yes. with, the, with the wires and everything. So, I mean, I think the other thing that I, I know we're, we've kind of glossed over it a little bit, but one of the most magical features of the web-based editor is the fact that it talks between your web browser and the micro bit. So you've written all your code, you've got all of this working, you've got something you want to try out. When we first started doing this, we had to hook up a or download a program that would flash to the micro bit directly. Or mm. if you're using make code, it would download the file and then you'd have to drag it over. And all of these things that were really tricky to get it to work. And this bit of magic with this web serial connection yes. to be able to connect your micro bit directly to the web browser and have it flash code over the cable for someone like me, who's been around long enough to remember even the days before USB, this is pure magic. And the fact that it comes back now with a serial console into your browser is like extra exciting. <laughs> Thank you. Well, yeah, it is. It's amazingly useful. So yeah, as long as you've got a recent version of Chrome or Microsoft Edge, then that feature, that web USB feature should work. So you have that ability both in the Python editor and Microsoft Make Code does the same thing too. You can flash code direct from the make code block editor as well straight onto your micro bit yeah so it's definitely one of those back in my day we had to copy <laughs> files or do a command yeah. line flasher it is a, amazing how convenient this is so literally the time from from taking your micro bit out of the box to having your code running on it is now about as short as i can possibly imagine because it's type in this url yeah. plug in these cables flash this code yeah. and it works and you have a program there already a very simple program that just scrolls some text and puts a heart on the display in a loop uh, and you can flash that and you can get started you don't even need to write any code and then you can obviously start messing around with that the obvious first thing you're going to change the message scrolls <laughs> and put your name in and then change the image so we, we give you something straight out of the box to get started with yeah, that's pretty cool <laughs> so I, you know we're we've been talking about this for a little while now and i wanted to make sure that we're kind of bringing it all together full circle for our listeners so the the micro bit is sometimes a little bit hard to find right now because of the global chip shortages. <laughs> a little? I got version ones and I'm like, I don't want them. Send them back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So sometimes a lot mm. hard to find. Mm. Uh, but if you can get your hands on them, taking this from, you know, 
essentially zero, where you have not used them before to an actual learning experience for your students where they're learning about concepts in computer science is something that you can start on a Monday and by Friday they can be off playing and exploring and doing their own things and have built quite a few things along the way. Hmm. And especially with this web-based editor now, you can jump right past the make code block-based coding if you're comfortable with it and go straight into python with a lot of the same supports that are make the block coding so effective giles what's next for the beta editor like where are you taking this next what are some of the ideas that you have in mind when does it get out of beta and into this is now version three that's a good question so lots of my colleagues are working really hard on this now we We've got a few things in the pipeline. One of the things we're working or just been working on today is the way error messages get flagged up in the editor itself. So we're looking at catching some of the, we know from teaching experience are very common errors uh, and providing even friendlier, less cryptic error messages uh, that are more helpful to students rather than uh, providing them with perhaps complicated terminology. So actually telling them, actually, no, you need to put a colon. <laughs> that is missing colon. Um, maybe you should spell true with a capital T. You know, <laughs> maybe maybe that's what you want to do. <laughs> Those sorts of errors. So we're looking at what, what we can do, how much we can do to, to make the error messages more friendly. Um, we're hoping it should be out of beta at some point in the summer this year. And then we're looking later in the year, we may add some more functionality to it. It's going through more testing at the moment we're doing it's been very difficult because of covid as i'm sure you can understand to do the classroom testing that we would have wanted to do you can uh, always test with us we te we did it we used it so we're brilliant. here for you we'll be in touch <laughs> next definitely. next august though we, we go on summer soon so just yes. so you know <laughs> no we definitely will be and there's another feature that is in the in the pipeline don't know when it's going to come out but we are working on a simulator Oh, well. you want to you want to know what my wish is? <laughs> What's your wish? <laughs> I want the original code from V version two when it comes packaged in Python and not as a hex file. Do you know that when it oh, beeps the, and bubs and claps and spins and the <laughs> what we call the oob? It's the out of box experience. So yeah, it's, for those of you who don't know, when you buy a brand new micro bit, it has a, this demonstration program on it. It does lots of. It's very noisy as well. I, <laughs> I some love teachers it. have said to me it's too loud. We don't like it, but it does lots of, and it introduces you. You have to interact with the micro bit. Mm -hmm. You play little games with it and stuff, and you discover some of the features of the micro bit. It's available as a, as you say, as a hex file on our website. You can download it and you can flash it back onto your micro bit so you can have that experience again. But that program is written in C. Uh, <laughs> so that makes sense. <laughs> That's it why is, I can't find it's it. It's <laughs> not possible to directly create that program in either MakeCode or Python because mm. it's using. I guess some of it is down to speed. And mm -hmm. the, the code that you can write in C++ can execute a lot faster uh, than code that you can write in MicroPython <laughs> or in uh, or in MakeCode. However, I have to say, good challenge for your students. Get them to recreate that experience in Python. How uh, close can you get? <laughs> yeah, I need to get them to flash it again. That was my first my first lesson with the version two was such a fun thing when they unboxed and we talked about counted how many different inputs and then looked at what was running and what do you think was running if you look at the micro bit um, 
do you see the accelerometer and what buttons mm. and what capacitive touch? And yeah, we, we had great fun. That program dates back to the original Microbit had something like that on it. And when we did the VT, I was one of the teachers who got the original Microbits back in 2015. So I've gone from one side to the other. And it was such great fun because I had that experience with my students back in 2015 that we, <laughs> we unboxed it and plugged it in. And it was like, we got a whole, I got a whole lesson out of that. It was brilliant. No, no planning, no marking. We exactly. Just ex- we just explored it. But then I had such great fun. It was such a privilege to be able to work on how do we make this work for the v2 micro bit how do we add sound to it nice i think the first day that kelly unboxed the v2 micro bits with her students i was working in the back of the classroom (laughs) at my desk and i'm just typing away and all of a sudden i just hear if you've never heard it you are missing out the sound of 20 micro bits at the same time all doing their out of box and the clapping clapping. and the clapping really loud invited our boss at the time for my teacher demo. I'm telling you, if you ever want to just wow your principals and your bosses and have a great teacher demo that shows really interactivity, get the outer box experience, talk about inputs and outputs, principal she was she was just sitting there laughing she's like this is great i'm like i know i'm so talented teacher i did all this hard work <laughs> thank you bbc microbit <laughs> it was it was not a great day for a quiet work environment but it was a wonderful day for joy and exploration and fun so i'll, I'll take it <laughs> yeah. well that Fantastic. And those projects, yeah, that they are really fun and immersive. Like the other ones that I found work really well as a as a group was the the Fireflies project, which is very simple. It just sends a radio message between, but you get, you get a whole classroom. We've got like 30 students each with their micro bit and you dim the lights. And it's just magical. It was just a lovely moment watching these little little outbreaks of firefly <laughs> activity around the classroom. And the students I, really get thinking about how what's going on here? What's how does this work? I want I somebody to... from I was going to say, I have to send you my source code for the microorganisms project that we did in, in science class, where yeah. each microbit had a little genetic code on it, and they would send it over to over the radio waves to the other microbits, and they oh, would mutate and change. That, that and, sounds amazing. So it's just like, like the game of Conway's Game of Life, but a little bit, in a, a little in bit, a, yeah. with a whole room of microbits or something. Yeah, so they had like one genetic code that they could pass off and a gender. <sighs> And it would spawn a new generation every time they received it. And then we realized that it very quickly turned into a classroom of all females or all males or all one. So we learned so much from it. But it was so much fun that they say, oh, my micro bit reproduced. And I'd say, mazel tov, you know, it's a boy. (laughs) It was. That's amazing. That sounds such a cool idea. It was a, it. led to a to great science led to a great science discussion about population decline mm. and what happens when you have yeah. same same species together. We had great genetic Punnett squares building. It was brilliant. It was good. Time. Amazing. That was our that was our fun with the radio. And and again, it was <laughs> again, it's that group project, that group activity where they interact and they see how things affect one another. And the micro bit makes that possible. Uh, and it is magic. Radio to me is you talked about web USB being magic. I still I think radio is magic. It's just like that in itself. I still think it's amazing <laughs> that you uh, where, where? How does that information get from there to there? I can't see yeah, it. I, can't I, need it. A t- I need a tutorial on that too, like a little video that explains how that's happening. Because the kids mm. are like, I'm like, it's magic. You just it's have to in believe. Our, in our new <laughs> professional development courses, I'm going to plug that in again. Excellent. So we've got a new, if you go to the microbit.org website and go to teach and click on professional development, I think there are four courses on there now. There are more coming very soon. We have got a course coming up on radio and networks. They are based in MakeCode. 
uh, these courses, but a lot of what is in there will apply to, to Python as well, obviously. Everything, pretty much everything, well, everything you can do there, you can do in, in Python too. Excellent. Nice. I'm super nice. excited. Well, I think we should probably wrap up here. This is a, a wonderful place to stop and let Kelly get some lunch before she yes. has to teach. <laughs> um, but Giles, it was wonderful to have you. And, and we look forward to many more amazing things coming out of the Microbit Education Foundation. We have certainly benefited as teachers from being able to have access to all of the work that the foundation has done. And we know that our students have also learned a great deal, not always necessarily what we wanted them to learn, but they always <laughs> learn something by working with the microbit. That's great to know. Well, thank you so much, Gally, and thank you so much, Sean, for inviting me on. It's been lovely to be here. And well, thank you. Or, thank you for, for coming. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, you can always reach us through our website, teachingpython.fm. We're also on Twitter at teachingpython. We hope to have the link to the YouTube version of our talk at PyCon available shortly. And as mm. soon as that's out, we'll post it to our website and to our social media channels. Giles, if people want to follow the work that you're doing with the Microbit Foundation, is there a good place for them to stay in touch with you? Oh, well, absolutely. So the, the Microbit website is a good place to start. So go to Microbit org we've got a news page there we have an education newsletter that you can sign up for which is probably the best way to keep in touch we're also on twitter as an organization we are microbit underscore edu on twitter that's a fantastic way we're on facebook as well and my own personal twitter is at blog my wiki if you want to come and say hi to me Excellent. wonderful well, hopefully we will get a chance to do this again soon and, and talk more about the microbit. It's definitely one of our favorite topics to chat about. So I think that pretty much does it for this week. So for Teaching Python, this is Sean. And this is Kelly signing off.